0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This letter of, to the Hebrews was written to encourage Christians as they were in a, a time of, of trial or struggle. And it does so by focusing their attention on the work of Christ, and that through Him we can draw near to God, and we can draw near to one another. And we're called to draw near For three purposes, to learn, to grow, and to serve. Now, as we've been studying and talking about the the vision for St. Luke's in the future, we've lifted up this mission as being so important to awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ. And if we're successful in that mission, we will see that the signs and the marks of a transformed life of freedom, of joy, of sacrifice, and of renewal. But how do we accomplish that? We have three strategies. The first one we talked about last week, that the worship gatherings, what we're doing right now. And the second one is the focus of our time this morning, spiritual formation groups. Now this strategy is a little bit more aspirational than the one we talked about last week. Now we do have some programs that currently already address this strategy, such as our, our catalyst groups. We still have much work to do to make all of our groups on campus more catalytic in nature to be a place where everyone can connect in such a way to learn to grow and to serve and it's important to ask the question at the very beginning today do you ever feel alone or disconnected or isolated Or maybe you you have some relationships, but maybe they're a little bit on the superficial side. and, And you feel like people don't know the real you. Really, it all boils down to sin. Because sin kills community. It disrupts relationships. Because when you lie, when you sin, you have this tendency to hide. We like to hide our sins. When Adam and Eve first sinned, they tried to hide from God. You have to cover up because the first wage of sin is isolation from God. Yet Jesus drew near to humanity to solve that very problem. He stood in our place to experience total isolation so that we would never have to experience that. Think about this. He was betrayed by his friends. He was rejected by his people. He was forsaken by the Father. He received the aloneness that we deserve. He lost all community. He was forsaken totally. And Because Jesus was forsaken in your place, God will never forsake you. Because of Jesus, we can draw near to God. Now, in the Old Testament, people could not draw near to God the same way that we can today. Verse 20 mentions the the holy places, which brings to mind the Old Testament idea of the the holiest of holies, right? That special place in either the, the tabernacle or the temple where only one day a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest, after cleansing himself, would carry the the blood sacrifice to cover the sins of the nation just one day a year to be in that full presence of God behind the curtain but the rest of the worshipers could not draw near to God in that same way and so Jesus created a new way for us to draw near into God's presence by the means of his blood Now, it's quite new because it's completely different from the way through the curtain of the temple or the tabernacle, and it's living since it is the way to eternal life with the living God. See, Jesus is our high priest, the priest of God's people. And we can only come into the presence of God with Jesus accompanying us. Together we can draw near into the presence of God. We can draw near and experience this transforming presence of God in our lives through Jesus we have access verse 22 says let us draw near with a true heart and the full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water that sounds just like what the chief priest would do before entering into the holiest of holies and the sprinkling brings to mind our own baptisms where we are washed clean by the waters of those baptisms and and made fresh and new. Paul writes to the church in Rome in chapter 6, baptized into his death and therefore we are raised to a new life. We experience this cleansing every time we, we read Mark, learn and inwardly digest his word, every time we remember our baptisms, every time we draw near to the Holy Supper and receive Jesus' body and blood, every time we share confession and absolution. When we share God's word with one another, we are drawing near into the presence of God. But we are also called to draw near to one another. See, relationships that have the focus of of learning and growing with Christ as the center, they are set apart from other relationships. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. I want you to think about the metaphors that, that we have in the New Testament for the church. Right? It's, a, it's a body composed of many parts in 1 Corinthians. Peter writes that it is a, a chosen race, a holy nation. Paul writes to the church in Rome that it is a, a family. In verse 25, we have, let us not give up meeting together. This meeting together word in Greek is, is to congregate. Let us not stop congregating together. And it brings to mind that idea of that we are a congregation. right? A congregation is a community where all aspects of members' lives connect. You can't just come together and, and hear a, a speaker or, or expect to have an experience as a solo, single person. You spend time with each other. You eat together. You pray with one another. You learn together. You confess your sins to one another. You love one another. Now, drawing near to other humans does present some challenges. Some of us have trust issues. And given time, I promise you, we will all hurt one another because we are broken people and that's what broken people do in fact the gospel reading for this morning from matthew chapter 18 gives us a model because god knows that eventually we will hurt one another and so he gives us a model of reconciliation how we are supposed to come together because relationships are not supposed to be disposable Not supposed to think, well, there's plenty other people in this world that I can forge a relationship. I will wash my hands of that person and just start fresh and new with somebody else. Because God knows that these relationships that are forged in Christ have such tremendous value that are worth redeeming and worth restoring. So we are to come together in this context. Into this holy place. Not the holy place of the sanctuary, but the holy place of people coming together to learn, grow, and serve. To come into that place and cherish it. And coming together, drawing near, we are supposed to hold fast. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who was promised is faithful. Faithful. See, our hope is is based purely on, on the rugged cross of Jesus Christ and the empty tomb that could not hold the Savior of the world. Now, we need to hold fast, and we need to remember to hold fast because we so easily waver. Just like Peter, who was called out to walk on water to follow after Jesus, did fine while he had his eyes fixed on Christ, but as soon as he focused on the problems and the waves and the wind, he lost and he started to sink we are to keep our eyes focused on the author and creator of our faith not to focus on the problems of this world because they are a plenty but to focus on what is sure and certain the hope we have in Christ and to hold fast to something you have to continue to learn and grow in that together we must read mark learn and inwardly digest god's word through bible studies or sermons or or conversations with one another that increase our learning spiritual formation groups have this as its primary focus not just meeting to hang out or to accomplish a goal but meeting for the purpose to learn more about god in our everyday walk with him to learn So learning in spiritual formation groups is the first aspect of that. Growth is the second. Our text uses the word this morning, encouraging, that we are supposed to encourage one another to grow in transparent and transformative relationships. To encourage means to be empathetic, to be sympathetic, to put yourself in someone else's shoes, to show them that you are really on their team to work hard to refrain from sarcasm or put-downs or online negative comments, but to work to find the best in people, to celebrate their successes, to share encouragement that's specific, and to draw near with a true heart. I think this is a great way to picture people gathering together for small groups or, or any other groups that you are a part of to come together to be transparent, to be vulnerable. And you can do so with this confidence because you know who you are in Christ. You know that you are in a safe and loving environment. You know that you are a forgiven child of God just as the, the person is across from you. This is a new and living way to deeper, more meaningful, more transformative relationships. It's that deep spiritual friendship between brothers and sisters in Christ that you give permission for others to enter into your life. Just as the chief priest would walk through the curtain to get into the presence of God, I encourage you to open the curtain of your life to let others see the real you. That you can be open about your hurts and your problems and your needs. That you can hold one another accountable to really get in See, a transparent relationship affords the opportunity for transformation. Superficial friends cannot offer that kind of change. So we are to learn and we are to grow and we are to serve, to spur one another on in the words of our text this morning. Let us consider how to stir up one another, to spur one another on to love and good works. Now, spurring is a strong word for encouraging or provoking in a positive way. It literally means to irritate one another. See, the horse is certainly irritated by the spur of the cowboy, but that's how the cowboy coaxes the horse to better performance. Now, I didn't have a lot of information about this, so I I reached out to an equestrian friend of mine, and, and she let me know that spurs are used to enhance the rider's cues that are given with the rider's leg. With show horses, they use the spurs to to lift the horse's belly, which in turn rounds the horse's back, which lets them kick out and develop speed to engage the hindquarters and move forward. Spurs are also used to encourage the horse to move forward or away from the rider's leg. Depending on how hard the rider kicks or lifts in a rolling motion, the rowel determines how fast the horse moves. You see, while we do need encouragement those positive, gentle, soft, encouraging words, sometimes we also need a sharper word. If you don't have people around you who sometimes you allow to sharply confront you, you're not gonna grow. Now this takes a trusted voice. And it also takes, in your part, a a humble heart to consider how valid these comments are. And that takes great wisdom see, we need people like this to spur us on to get our faith life off the couch and out of the pews and into new areas of living out our faith. So I want to present to you a call to action this morning. Because it is very, very clear that spiritual formation groups are already occurring to some degree. Our, Our catalyst groups are a great beginning to this but we're not where we need to be. Because I think you could come to St. Luke's every single week, pat yourself on the back for attending church, and also not connect with other people. See, if you're just having uh, an individual devotion time and a couple of minutes every day, and you think that's going to change your life, it's not. John Wesley was often heard to say, the Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. See, we're really not following this text unless we're in a small group or much more deeply cemented into a Christian community. Spiritual formation groups are going to be so critical to accomplishing our mission. They are a prime strategy. Whether you're in a catalyst small group or not, everyone needs to be connected to a spiritual formation group. Now, if you are a part of a spiritual formation group, I want to give you this challenge. Here's your call to action. Pull that curtain in your life and allow your small group to come in, to know the real you, to know your struggles, and give one another authority to hold each other accountable where you need to, to be encouraging, and when necessary, to spur one another along. Now, if you're not a part of a small group, catalyst group, but you are a part of some other community here at church, whether it be in the choir or, or any other type of ministry gathering that comes together, your call to action is to make that group more catalytic. To make that just not just a place where you come together to accomplish something, but that you learn and grow And find opportunities to serve, to deepen the relationships you have with the people in that group. Amazing things happen. Transformation happens. May the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.